Hey, my name's David, the host of Ambisonic Spaces. And I just want to thank you for listening. And I want to tell you about a new feed of the show called Ambisonic Spaces Plus. If you're a sound designer, work in game audio, if you're a field recording enthusiast, or just want to support this podcast, check out subscribing to the Patreon page, Ambisonic Spaces Plus. There you'll be able to gain access to listen to episodes in spatial audio. All you need is some AirPods that support head tracking and the Patreon app or Safari. Just connect your AirPods to their device, turn on head tracking, and listen through Patreon. The sounds dynamically change around you as you move your head. Super cool and a very immersive experience. You'll also have access to download assets to use for your game audio projects and engines like Unreal and Unity, or use them for sound beds for any project that you have. And finally, as a Patreon, you can import the RSS feed into Apple Podcasts and listen through spatial audio there as well. Is it possibly the first ambisonic spatial audio dynamic head tracking podcast ever? Perhaps. But check out the free samples on Patreon to hear for yourself. Links in the description. Find out more at ambisonicspaces.org. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Ambisonic Spaces. I'm your host, David Woji. What is the language of nature? How can we tap into this dialect and translate what it's communicating, revealing, and expressing? As humans, we are hardwired from a prehistoric conditioning of a fight or flight reaction whenever we hear sound that disrupts our current sonic surroundings. Such as, what do you think and feel when you're walking through a forest? Or sitting by a lake? Maybe observing the sunset? or winding down for the night. What do you think and feel when you're in a windstorm? Stuck in the rain? or possibly in a thunderstorm. Most of us have a natural reaction to find shelter if we're out and about and hear thunder closing in. Or for me, just hearing heavy wind through the trees or even pushing up against the house makes me somewhat on edge. But despite the surface reactions we may have to nature, I believe there's another layer. How can we respond to nature by what it's communicating? So a lot of what I do here at Flying Pig Farm is an attempt to support a landscape in its regeneration. 
rebuilding itself. This is Barack Ben Amats. He is the director of Flying Pig Farm in Manitou, Colorado. And finding where is the human place in that process. Mm. How can I, as a human, be a participant in this ecosystem in a way that supports it and helps it grow back into uh, what it's meant to be? And that is fundamentally an exercise in listening. The practice of observing nature over time is a skill that Barack has been doing at Flying Pig Farm since 2014. Flying Pig Farm is a community garden that's 100% chemical free, focusing on food and nutritional education and practices permaculture. Now, permaculture is a form of agriculture that focuses on regeneration and whole system thinking while not disrupting the natural ecosystem. So, for example, instead of spraying your plants with harsh chemicals to repel bugs and animals, marigolds actually contain a natural compound that's used in many insect repellents. So, planting them in your garden naturally repels insects without all the harsh chemicals. So, backing up to 2014, he was very interested in what the ecosystem could produce. When I first came here, I was much more oriented towards uh, production, you know, how much can we grow, how can I transform the land, how can I input, right, and, and that's still super important. That's, I think that's a really key part of human role, is to um, change our surroundings and impact them. But over the last few years, what's become clear is that there is communication coming in the other direction mm -hmm. and that the more listening that I can do to honestly, yes, the sounds of the landscape. I mean, there is observation that I'm doing with my sight and that I'm doing with my hands and that I'm doing with uh, just sort of the sensory fullness of being on the land for many, many days and many years in a row. And all of that is a type of listening. So, how do we listen to nature? The sounds are also super essential because they communicate to me about the biodiversity of the animal life that's around the farm. They communicate to me about how the farm is responding when we have big wind or other weather, um, about the changes in temperature. All of those things are actually audio experiences that I'm really at the very beginning of working with, but they inform my relationship with the land mm -hmm. and they inform what kind of actions are appropriate for me to take in support of the work that this land is doing 24 seven and has been doing for thousands of years. And that I'm just a little piece that of, of consciousness, a little piece of care that has come very late to the game and we'll leave early, uh, but I get to participate. How can we participate? How does one respond? Here's Barack explaining this in a fall harvest farm tour he was giving. 
This was actually the first time I was challenged with the questions like, how can I listen to nature, not just plugging in my microphone and recording, but truly hear what it's saying and respond. Um, we've been growing in this space for about six years, uh, really intentionally cultivating a lot of perennials, but also a lot of annuals. And last year was the Schmitta year, it was the year of rest. And so for the seventh year, we stopped planting. We basically stopped watering. And we just said, you know, it's time for us to listen. And what was amazing to receive back as information is how many perennials came back in. Tons of perennial herbs, sage, oregano, mint, thyme, sorrel, lovage, celery, all came back in. Um, chives. Then a lot of flowers, the hollyhocks, the cosmos, the borage, they self-seeded, they want to live here. They feel cared for in this space. Um, we have some fruit trees, apple trees, peach trees, um, apricot trees growing in here, many of them planted by children. They came back, they didn't ask for extra water this year. They just grew and they communicated to us that this is a viable space. Um, and also, the other thing that was communicated to me is that we live in the prairie. We live in the high mountain prairie. And uh, if I treat the grass like it's my enemy, then I have a lot of enemies um, because that's what wants to grow here. And so recognizing that the grass is part of this ecosystem, it's one of the habitats that I need to honor and give space to at the same time as we cultivate all these other edibles for us. Um, so this, even though this is not super impressive food production wise this year, Actually, to me, this is like the heart right here because uh, that's where the most communication was able to happen in this last year. But let's go up this way and see if we can find some goats. I asked Barack later on maybe some other examples of how to listen when nature is communicating and more importantly, how to respond. One of the big crops that we grow here and that's grown all over the world is the brassica family. That's the mustard family. It's a huge variety. So our leafy greens are coming from there, as well as a lot of our great rootstocks. The leafy greens are super vulnerable plants. They are desired by all sorts of caterpillars, aphids, beetles. Everybody wants to eat the brassica because it's super healthy, tasty, and full of iron. And So we're constantly struggling to find how to grow it without having it just be decimated by the insect life. You know, it's easy to just try to do battle against the bugs. We don't use any harmful chemicals, but we'll get out there with a diatomaceous earth or neem oil or even a shop vac <laughs> and just battle against them. But that is not really good listening. And it's a high effort kind of interaction and there are definitely times where it's appropriate but there's a lot of times that I feel like mm, why am I exerting all this energy probably because I'm not actually paying attention to what's being communicated to me it's almost like you're fighting what's naturally happening right okay this year we planted our alliums which is a different family of plants that invo includes uh onions and garlic 
and we planted those super densely all around our brassicas because those insects are not at all attracted to those plants. They, in fact, they're sort of repelled by them mildly in a low effort way and still trusting the land and trusting the plants and trusting the insects that we could just try to communicate gently, go find another place. There's plenty of other food in this garden for you. Mm-hmm. And it was a big success. We had our kale plants and our cabbage plants did better than they've ever done. So it was a really positive feedback that I got back. I'm picking up that listening isn't one way. It's a two-way road of communication. Yes, we can listen and then maybe interpret what is being said. And to go even further, respond. Barack breaks it down even further. The place where I want to go when we're talking about listening and generosity and giving and taking is I want to talk about relationship. So much of the core of my experience with human relationships and having high quality human relationships is trying to be a better listener and trying to listen in a generous way where I hear the best and then trying to respond to that with what I can offer. Mm -hmm. If we want to have good, high quality, sustainable relationships with humans. And so I would argue that the same is true with the land that we live on. As is the case with human relationships, when we do better, we receive more love. I trust myself, I know that I'm doing my best, and that creates a sort of psychological atmosphere that's much healthier. As I've said before, humans can be noisy creatures to the point where there is now noise pollution interfering with how nature communicates with itself and with us. Asking him about how human noise pollution affects nature, and more precisely, how it may affect the farm, Barack had a more redeeming answer than I had anticipated. It's a really interesting thing because one of the first things people always say to me when they come to the farm is, it's so peaceful, Mm -hmm. you know? And actually that's not my experience of the farm. Now that I live here and I'm working with this land, I spend all my time listening to the highway, listening to the passerby. We're always doing work here with tools. So our volume, the volume around the farm is loud. It's maybe not quite urban, but it's definitely, there's a lot of human sound Mm -hmm. that the farm is sort of cushioned by. Mm -hmm. What I'm proud of and what I love that we're doing is that we're adding sounds. The sounds of our animals, goats, chickens, ducks, the bees have their sound, the happy children that are screaming and laughing and (laughs) climbing trees. and That audio addition feels like the impact that I'm proud of in that hearing sphere is that we've come into a space that has been dominated by the sounds of cars for the last 50 years, at least, maybe 70 years, that the only sounds in the space would be car sounds. And we've brought back in a lot of animal sound, the sound of corn rustling in the wind, one of the most beautiful sounds that there is. I'm I'm glad that we're bringing more sounds into the space. 
So I, I get a sense that what Barack is doing at the Flying Pig Farm not only brings people in nature together, but the Flying Pig Farm is almost an opportunity to practice communication within the collision of humans and nature and how all the elements between the two, seemingly fighting at times, can be harmonious if done with respect. So how can we be more involved? How can we make a difference in our own spaces? Where and how can we find opportunities to listen? But more importantly, I think people ought to be looking around them where they live for spaces that we have an opportunity to listen to. So much has been developed and has had concrete poured over it um, and is being maintained very harshly. And those spaces are going to be very hard to listen to. Um, and even if we manage to listen, the bureaucracy we have to navigate to actually respond compassionately is very difficult. So I would invite people to look for the more liminal spaces, the ones that are not as defined, that it's not clear who owns this or who's responsible for it, who's taking care of it, or a space that's already being taken care of a little bit and where there's some flexibility, and to investigate, look into the human systems that are supporting the natural systems and find where you can plug in as an advocate for the land. And I really do believe that if we can be good listeners, we can advocate with a lot of accuracy and without our egos taking over the situation. And so there are many, many little parcels of land that are just shouting and trying to communicate. And uh, they need advocates. So wherever people are, they can find that and they can advocate well. Listening and observing have many different levels, as Barack told us. But the reality is it costs nothing to just listen. The opportunities are all around us, looking where the human systems are supporting the natural systems and see where you can plug in, like getting involved with your local community garden or volunteering with National Park Trail Maintenance or just taking a moment to listen around your space. Or you can help Flying Pig Farm develop their programs, like getting kids out in nature to help grow and learn learning agriculture, farming, gardening, and being part of a community. If people really want to help Flying Pig Farm specifically, we have a social media presence, uh, Flying Pig Farm Manitou or Flying Pig Manitou. We're on Instagram and Facebook, and we have an email. It's flyingpigmanitou at gmail.com. We really need fiscal support. We're very early in our establishment. We're trying to create a lot of infrastructure to make this accessible to the community, to make our to continue to have our offerings be free, which most of them are, um, and I want to further that development and help protect this land uh, forever for many generations. So I would very much welcome that. Please check out Flying Pig Farm in Manitou Springs on the socials at Flying Pig Manitou. 
or say hello at flyingpigmanitou at gmail.com. Please take a few seconds to rate and review wherever you listen. It really does go a long way. You can also help this show continue with great stories like this one by subscribing to the Ambisonic Spaces Plus page on Patreon. You can hear part of this episode in spatial audio along with other Ambisonic assets you can download and use for any audio project or just listen. Slowing down and observing can help gain awareness and can lead to a greater appreciation. And by listening more, we understand more. Thanks for listening.